0: Bienvenidos a Humilde y Poderosa, a Spanglish celebration of all that is brown and beautiful. Yo soy la mera mera la Sofía. On today's episode, we are going to get a local update from Yvonne, and I'm going to introduce you to Humilde y Poderoso community member that you, need to know this is our perspective on what is occurring right now in the omaha metro area the city has called it in the past civil unrest and we call it the black lives matter protests and what people are protesting against are the systemic racism and police brutality that is killing black men and women all over the country in omaha on saturday may 30th while many were in the streets supporting the Black Lives Matter protest, James Skerlock, a young black man, was shot by a white business owner who has had the reputation on social media for his racist comments and behaviors against people of color. Yvonne is here to give us an update on what is currently happening in regards to the James Scurlock legal case, but is also asking us a very important question, a call to action. So tell me, how are you doing, Yvonne? What can you tell us about the James
1: Gerlach case? I've been reflecting on the different protesting that's been going sure. on here in Omaha and the, the effects of organized protesting and unorganized <laughs> protesting. There is a difference. Is that what you're telling us? Definitely. Yes, there's definitely a difference um, in leadership. Mm-hmm is is a, a lot of that right you have to have the right leadership and you have to be organized recently just with regard to the protesting here in Omaha the ongoing more organized protests have led to a grand jury being called in with regard to the death shooting death that we had here mm-hmm. in Omaha during the George Floyd protest yep james garle was shot and killed. And and our local county attorney declined to charge the shooter who happens to be a racist white male Mm -hmm. bar owner. Despite video evidence, our local county attorney's position was he shot in self-defense. Did you see the video? I saw the one that the Douglas County
0: attorney showed where they were they had pushed the old man um, and then the you see the owner um, confronting the people and then like backing up.
1: Okay. It was, it's interesting because kind of what I saw and I maybe am always looking through the lens of an advocate. I don't know, but um, so I see the old man kind of stepping off of the bar property and going towards them. I don't know what he's saying, he definitely looks like he's confronting him obviously he's older but it's a, a younger group and i see him push them I, I see him push one and i see him push another um and the second person that he pushes um that person pushes him back and obviously he's younger he has more power and so the, the old man falls to the ground um but gets mm-hmm. up um and then i see the owner, who's the guy's son approach two guys um walk toward them, he sh- he shows them his gun, lifts up his shirt, shows them his gun. Um, there's like a scuffle between them, he pulls the gun, They and he shoots, and those two run away. And then from behind him, someone who we don't know if he was there for that. the part where there was a scuffle between the guys that were ultimately shot at and mm-hmm. ran away, whether this James, who, who we later determined is James Sherlock. We don't know if he saw that or not. We just know that he comes up when this bar owner still has his gun drawn and has been shooting. He
0: at least had already given off like two or three quote unquote warning shots at that point, right?
1: Yes. And he's his back is to James. And so we don't know. We just know that James would have seen him shooting off um, into the crowd. and and knew that he had a gun drawn. And so at that point, he jumps on his back. Um, And so I'm thinking, if he didn't see the scuffle part, if he's just kind of walking around like everybody seems to be doing, and he sees this white man with the gun drawn shooting into the crowd, like, I think my instinct, all of ours, especially after the shooting um, at the store in Omaha, at the Westroads Mall, is to try to stop a shooter, right? So I... I would have probably jumped on his back too To try to get him to stop shooting into a crowd Or stop shooting people And I think that's where the I think that's where the divide lies Did, How are we Some people are sure that he saw the scuffle And are sure that he was with the two guys that ran away um, And I'm not so sure I, I don't know when he walks upon it I know he sees the guy shooting into a crowd And I know he, it looks like he wants to det- Detain him from or stop him from shooting um, So he jumps on his back Um but he himself doesn't have a gun, um, and the bar owner thought that he was going to reach for the gun, but he never did. So that furthers my belief that he was just stop trying to stop this white guy from shooting at black protesters. So, um, but anyways, then he's shot and he's killed. Um, so it's been,
0: so it's been like almost a month, and I was hoping that we would have heard as far as charges, any charges, even with regards to the weapon. Um, that the former business owner had Um, we have yet to hear anything and we're already in the middle of of the next month Um, do you think that we'll see another video or hear sound from the videos to get a more um, other perspectives of of what happened during that incident
1: I I don't think so Um, and I say that because some of the more organized protesting has led to the, the county attorney, to the public, getting a second opinion. So now, even though the Douglas County attorney is not going forward with charges, uh, a retired U.S. attorney that was practicing on the federal level mm-hmm. has come forward and said, well, I will. I will take this case before a mm-hmm. jury and see if they agree with us that charges should be filed. And because that's where it's going, I think that whatever evidence they get now, as far as audio, as far as additional witness accounts, because obviously there were other people there, Mm -hmm. any other video, I think all that's going to be saved for the grand jury and shown to them. Mm -hmm. And if the grand jury does does agree and indicts this um, bar owner, I think they're going to save all that for the trial. So if we see it, it's going to be something that we see long after
0: can you explain to us like what yeah, that means um as far as having a gra- a grand jury just kind
1: of put
0: it in chicano terms
1: <laughs> <Please>. um <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like getting that second opinion right so we have this local county attorney that's in charge that's elected to that position the local voters uh, elected him and he's in charge of charging anything that happens in douglas county um Generally, city offenses are charged by, we also have a city prosecutor, but that office is in charge of more of like this traffic stuff. So our Douglas County attorney will do, um, you know, domestic violence, any felonies, um, serious domestic violence, um, misdemeanors, and he's in charge of charging all that. So in this case, once we got organized, we demanded a second opinion. And that's where the grand jury comes in because the prosecutor is saying, I can't do it. It's, it's a self-defense, mm-hmm. but we want as a people, a second opinion. And so now they found a prosecutor who was willing to present the case to a grand jury. So the grand jury is made up of people in the public. Oh, um, really? And they're going to listen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, They're going to listen to the facts and see that whatever evidence we saw, plus what they come up with during this time period, uh-huh um and they're going to decide whether or not this person should be charged or not and so that's what's kind of up for debate now is we're getting our second opinion gotcha
0: okay thank you for explaining that um for me
1: yeah i mean the more you know and the only way you know is by world life lived experience so so some things that i saw in the video that disappointed me um you know, where it was the pushing of the old man. If if you were a younger brown man, brown or black man, and you were pushing somebody like that, you would be charged with assault. You would be charged with mm-hmm. disorderly conduct. You'd be charged with something. But this old man gets to step off of his property and push not one young man, but two young men. And then when he gets pushed down by the second guy, then you know all hell breaks loose. The um he gets to act a damn fool in public, and there are no consequences for him. <laughs> other than getting pushed back Uh, yeah (laughs) um so and then the bar owner i see you see that he lifts his shirt he has his gun in his waistband um i have had clients who are young black and brown men who lift their shirts with not even having a gun just lift their shirts that way and they're charged with terroristic threat and that's a class four felony yet this white bar owner in public gets to lift his shirt to to show them that he does have a gun and he doesn't get charged with anything. Not only that, but it's concealed. You don't get to carry around a concealed weapon unless you're currently licensed to do so um, and he doesn't get charged with a concealed weapon and he shot off he shot it he shot it and it wasn't registered and it wasn't currently licensed and all those reasons should have landed him some type of charge. Especially if he was a young brown or black man, he would have been charged, um, you know, shooting off in the city within the city limits. That in and of itself. I mean, he's almost shot. He went to go shoot these people. There is no such thing. As, in my practice of law, well, these past 10 years working for poor black and brown men, there has never been such thing as a warning shot. People who shoot at other people, they're charged with attempted murder or they're charged with assault, second degree, for using a weapon to. Scare people. There has never been a warning shot, and now this white, rich bar owner shoots off into a crowd, and he's not charged with attempted murder. He's not charged with carrying a concealed weapon or terrorist threats. He was doing a warning shot. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck does he get warning shots when my clients try to do the same thing? They get locked up for years. I don't mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that's what set me off.
0: I was reading on social media that he might have bounced from Nebraska and he's off in California, supposedly. He just gets to leave, like, for real? (laughs) I mean, I guess so, because there were no charges put against him. So he's a free man. And it just, you feel what so many people are upset about. And, And honestly, I feel like there's not much that we can do about it we have our faith in the justice system and i i hope this turns out the right way with the evidence given and and there's a fair shot of of this man um being held accountable for his actions which according to public opinion most public opinion and to what you have described to me um were illegal
1: And that brings me to, I I was going to ask your opinion about that. I mean, you know, I do defense work. I'm a defense attorney. Mm -hmm. And so my, what motivates me, what passions me, especially in this case is um, just making sure things are fair. And so automatically my mind went to, if this was anyone else, would they have been charged? And in my opinion, yes. But then I get feedback from people that are saying, because I'm a defense attorney, I could, I should never be advocating for someone to be charged. Mm -hmm. What do you think?
0: I'm gonna be honest, and when I saw the video, I was like, okay, he had these people on top of him. I, I try to put myself in, in, in that frame of thought, like if, if I'm being attacked from above, and I had a gun, am I gonna shoot it? First of all, I would never have a gun because they scare the crap out of me. And second of all, um, I probably, knowing that I have an unlicensed gun, I would think about that too. Um, but I was like okay let's say we're in a different place you know a different time like would I shoot my gun to get somebody off of me probably and so I I saw that part of it and then people started sharing their opinions their perspective of hey if somebody has a gun if I see that you're shooting people am I going to try to stop you and And I was like, oh, would I, would I, would I run into that fight and, and, and try to stop somebody that has a gun that is shooting or am I going to worry about myself and like try to protect myself, escape the situation, run away. The problem is we don't know what James was thinking. Yeah. The, the, the district attorney had to go on was the other guy's story. Well, if you go through its story and you follow it, you're like, Oh yeah, okay, I see. I understand why you're not giving any charges. But I do feel like there there is there needs to be more investigation from other people that were there. Um, not to get James's perspective, but to get their perspectives at least. Like you gotta hear other sides of the story. Don't think that you're wrong in your thinking. Yeah. I think it's just that all we have to go on is our history, our background, our education, our experiences, and that's what that's telling you. And nobody could ever say that you're wrong for what you're thinking, just because it's it's your opinion. Yeah, it's a,
1: your exactly. You're entitled to your opinion, and if we all put ours out there, then we we hope that fairness, you know, wins, because. Yeah. You know there's more opinions of this than that but at least all opinions were looked at
0: and there's justice in the end you know what i mean like there's laws so we have to yeah. go off what laws say if you have an unlicensed weapon that you're firing off what does the law say about that you know what i mean like there it's mm. just it, it, it's very to me it's it's not a gray situation to me it's a black and white situation in regards to the gun
1: i had a doctor appointment that day the day that they announced that charges would not be filed mm-hmm. i i was supposed to do a telephone um doctor visit and i lost track of time because i was watching the video and forming my opinion and um so my doctor called me and I'm like, oh, you know, I apologize. I got sidetracked with this. And my doctor's opinion was opposite of mine. Uh, her opinion, you know, was that he was um, acting in self-defense. And and I said, but, the, you know, are you assuming that James was with the other guys or was there at the beginning when the other guys were hitting or all in a scuffle with the bar owner? And I don't know that he saw that. I just know he sees the guy with the gun shooting mm-hmm. um, and kind of comes up behind him. And I think that he feels bold to do it because the guy that's shooting has his back to him. So he sees an opportunity to, like, you know, detain him so that he can't shoot anymore. I mean, I you know, how many people would have done that at Von Marr if they had the opportunity to stop the shooter, you know, at Von Marr? I know at High V there was a shooter not too long ago, I want to say maybe four months ago. Um, and local customers. One was an off-duty law enforcement, but the first one that jumped on him was not. <laughs> it was just somebody who saw a guy at high V with a gun, mm-hmm. was fearful of how many people he could shoot and jumped on him. So I, 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 it's more common than I think we think, but... So yeah, my doctor had the other opinion. And then when I explained my point of view, she she, she took her a minute to kind of process and was like, yeah, I mean, I could see that too. So yeah. it's gonna be interesting with this grand, with this grand jury fault because they are going to be members of the public and they are going to be the the deciding factor
0: so thank you yvonne for keeping us woke here um what are the next steps Uh, next steps is i heard that we're it's going to be a minute um, until we hear anything about it right
1: yeah next steps are they're gathering trying they're putting out asks for people to come forward that were there that night um, to bring any video, any photos they had, especially any audio, um, and even if they don't didn't have a phone, if they were just in that area to step forward and say what they remember hearing, what they remember seeing, what their perspective was. So that's the next step. Then the prosecutor, who um, who I am friends with, uh, he's he's a, a good guy, definitely. He's a African American um, male. Uh, who practiced a long for a long time in the U.S. Attorney's office, um, and I am good friends with his daughters, um, and so yeah. So will And he, I think he's going to do uh, a really in-depth job, and so I, I'm going to trust mm-hmm. uh, how that plays out.
0: And then in the meantime, around the nation, you know, like there's people that wanting to defund the police, and and are trying to do big things. Other things are are happening. Things are in motion to make. Um, accountability uh, up front and, and aware and as always I pray for peace and, and understanding for uh, the families of all the victims um, you know it's it's you're always going to live with this trauma and I hope that um, there's just peace in, in in your heart in their hearts going forward there was one
1: other i wanted to ask you um because i think it'll get people thinking um sure so going back to what happened with george floyd um when you look at the video recording you can see that there's a couple of different people recording the incident um and talking to officers from the sidewalk Mm talking asking that officer to get off of his neck um he's saying he can't breathe Mm -hmm. You know oh my gosh um when do do you do more um i don't i i guess you know your my opinion might surprise you in this in this instance but i have a black friend who made an ask of all his friends he basically said if you see a police officer standing or kneeling on my neck and i am dying do more than videotape save my life Mm. So we as allies, when do we do more, even at the cost of us going to jail or us being shot? Um, And do you do that to say, I mean, I I just a little bit ago said I would be willing to jump on someone's back when their back is turned to me if they were shooting off a gun, thinking I had a, a good opportunity to disarm them. But I don't think that that's the same when it's a police officer, you know, saying they're doing their job. This is what I can tell you from
0: all of my, not many, but all of my encounters with police or police officers. Um, And the experiences that I've had, I've been told to be quiet. I've been told not to speak Spanish. Um, I've been told to get out of the way. I've been told to keep moving. I tend not to be quiet and I tend to share my opinion on the situation and I tend to probably get too close. Now, I don't know if that's that's obviously not something that I'm very aware of in the moment. It's some kind of reaction that I've noticed. So in my experiences, I don't think I would be one person just to be videotaping, especially if it's my yeah, family. Yeah, definitely. Um, when people have, of my family, have been pulled over and I know about it, I, I go. Be, one, mostly because of just making sure that the language yeah. is spoken and that people are clear about what's going on and, and just helping out in that situation. Um, if I see anybody that I believe them to be speaking spanish or you know needing assistance i do that i have done that i've done that with firefighters like that have gone a couple houses from where i'm at and something's going on i go to to be of assistance
1: yeah
0: and so i don't know what i would do in those situations but i know that i've always done more than just be a bystander
1: yeah yeah. And
0: I've been yelled at and I've been and I've been screamed at, and i'm I'm sorry, but I scream right back. Like I treat you how you treat me. Um, like I say, I don't know if it's if I'm really conscious of that in the moment, um, because I get I don't know, I get fired up somehow and and <laughs> um, yeah. in my in my experiences, that's what it's been. Yeah. Um, and that's probably what i how I will continue to be. And I just think that if you're gonna be an ally, you need to feel that passion. That, hey, this person could be a family member. How am I gonna protect this person even though they might not be my blood, but we're all you a human race. We we gotta take care of each other. And um, for me, it's been regardless of of anything. It's just,
1: I see something going on. Mm I for my assistance. I thought about that. I thought back to like, would I be just a bystander? Would I just be videotaping? I can't imagine in that situation, like running toward him and knocking him off of George Floyd. Um, I did picture myself approaching and saying something like, oh, this is my client. You know, I need to talk to him. You need to just sit him up. Um, Something like that. I would foresee being more of something that I would do. Um, to, to try to get him sat back up so that he could breathe.
0: I saw a video yesterday of, a, a, uh, another deadly police shooting that happened in Atlanta. So supposedly of, of, up to the incident, like, I don't know, you know, you never know with videos that you see, like if it's for real or not, but this showed the gentleman just being, having a very, um, he was, he was intoxicated but he was talking, he was being respectful. He was following orders. Um, The police officer went to grab his hand. Now I didn't hear the police officer say, okay, listen, you're going to jail. You know, you're you're gonna be put under arrest. I didn't hear that. And I didn't hear Miranda writes and I'm like, okay, is that something that's just not happening anymore? Like, are you allowed just to grab my wrist without saying anything to me?
1: I don't... Mm. Miranda rights are definitely still something that you're entitled to when they are saying things to try to get you to say something that would incriminate yourself or when they're inter- right out interrogating you. I would hope that they would have the respect and decency to say, this is what I'm doing. This is why.
0: So, like, if you, you know? just come up at me and grab my wrist, am I gonna just
1: you should
0: being anybody? Like, exactly w- what's my
1: reaction I thought about that too I mean our public we need to see an actual badge what if you know it's I don't know what an actual badge looks like what if it's I, I wouldn't know if it was a real cop or not and you're just showing me something and telling me to obey your commands like who the fuck are you and why are you approaching me
0: don't fight get off my yeah. arm like I I
1: don't <laughs> just, just me first.
0: go back up you know, and and I hate to portray the police like this because you know there are good police men and women that protect us all the time, and they're awesome. And you know, we have lifelong childhood friends that are police officers, and and they've seen me. You know, they've they've come to bat for me tons of times. Like I just, I I have so much respect for those public uh, public officers. You know, like you just do so much for this for the community and 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 I hate to see them painted in this light um but I think it it, there has to be some kind of de-escalation there has to be some kind of like just connection on a human level to where like okay I realize this is another human being in front of me how do I want to be treated in this situation that's what I'm gonna do
1: (sighs) I agree I agree that there are good officers out there I think they're good-hearted, um, want to make a difference, want to give back to the community, realists. Um, and so I appreciate that. I've seen, I've seen it. Um, but I think that there's a disconnect and I don't know if it happens like in this like sink or swim beginning of, of the career or, or there's z- zoned out at the end of the career. I don't know when it happens, but I, unfortunately we do see uh, officers that are not able to think not able to reflect on their interaction with another human being and not ever able to say if I was in this position this is what I want because Mm -hmm. they could never picture themselves in that position Mm -hmm. and I think that that's when they need to go back through some additional training
0: yeah the world needs Jesus and they need love right now it
1: does I'm curious as to what the public will say I mean you know, what do you do in that situation? Do you do more? Do you barrel into the officer to get him off the, ne- his, their, the neck and then the whole time that they're spending arresting you is time that George Floyd could breathe or, you know, or, you know, do you just approach it from a different way? Hey, I'm a nurse. Even if you're not a nurse, let me see if I can help him breathe. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? I mean, I know officers like nurses, so maybe that's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Something that you could use, but I think I would use the lawyer approach and see if that got anywhere. Um, but yeah, I want I'd love to hear the public's opinion on that.
0: Alright, y'all. You heard what the woman said. <laughs> um you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um thank you so much, Yvonne. This is just it's amazing.
1: This is the deal, and I'm keeping it real.
0: Thank you, Yvonne. She's keeping us woke here in the O-N-E, yeah. Omaha, Nebraska. She what, what?
1: She's gonna get you
0: woke. She's gonna get you woke in the O-N-E. She's gonna get you woke. She's gonna get you woke. She's gonna, she gonna get you woke in the O-N-E. So it's time for a brown perspective. This is the part of the show where we talk about what's going on right here in El Ombligo del País. I want you to meet someone that you just absolutely need to know. Um, I would like to introduce you to Salvador Hernandez. He's an Omaha native that now lives in San Jose, California. He attended Spring Lake Elementary School, um, Mars Middle School, graduated from Omaha South High. He received his bachelor's degree in international business from UNL and completed his master's program in social work from UNO. He is now a clinical social worker in San Jose, California. Um, I want to describe Salvador as a dedicated, passionate, and spiritual person. He, um, To me, he is a social justice advocate, but his focus is on mental health. So thank you so much, um, Salvador, for being here on Humilde y Poderosa um we're so happy to have you here
2: yeah hey thank you for the invitation sophia um i know we we go back quite a few years and uh, i know it's been a while since we've seen each other but um but you know able to kind of joke around and pick up kind of where we left off the last time maybe we've seen each other so yeah it's it's great to be here
0: (laughs) how are you
2: you know just uh trying to get through this, uh, COVID, right. The, you know, we may not have shelter in place, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much kind of just staying in and, uh, you know, trying to get through it.
0: Exactly. How are you coping?
2: Uh you know, it's pretty tough. It's kind of hard. Um, you know, luckily I, I came to Omaha. Um, so I'm very privileged um, uh-huh. and I'll say privilege because I get to work from home, uh, cause I know a lot of our, our community and Rasa are not able to, to work from home. And so, mm-hmm. um, I was able to come and I've been in Omaha since March, uh, working from my parents' home. So.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Welcome so back. I, I didn't that. even know that. Yeah, no, <laughs> thank you.
0: But thank you for sharing, uh, as far as how you're doing, so it's really important Um, are there, have there been some good coping things that you share with, with people that you talk to on a daily basis to get through like the anxiety or the depression that might be coming with, um, our situation right now? Uh,
2: you know, it's, it's difficult because it's a very unique situation. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not something that we're prepared for or that we're, we're kind of taught how to deal with, um. And I think especially as the recent events of the, you know, protesting and the police brutality, and uh, Mm -hmm. it's just really caused a lot of emotions to stir up. Um, And so, you know, in in this scenario, we're kind of just, we're figuring it out together. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even myself as a counselor, therapist, um, I'm going through it. You know, so it's like, hey, clients, myself, we're both going through it and we're going to try to figure it out uh, together as we go.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Can you tell us how do you identify yourself and the reason behind it?
2: Yeah, you know, and it's an interesting question uh, that uh, it's come up so many times, you know, throughout the different years and. <laughs> Um, and it's changed. The answer's changed every, you know, throughout the years. And now, you know, I just identify myself, you know, I'll say I'm, I'm Mexican. Um, okay. I'll identify myself as a danzante sometimes or as a, as a therapist, as a counselor. But um, it really depends on where I'm at. Um, but for the most part, that's that's kind of where I go, will be uh, Mexican.
0: Okay. Um, and is there a reason behind that
2: yeah um, you know and it's like it's gone through us uh, so many different changes from when I was a young kid to to being Mexican to Latino to hispanic Chicano um, but I think for me it's it changed based on my my life and lived experiences um, and then I think right now for me, I, I I identify with my cultural roots, um, which are, you know, from Mexico, uh, and I've really been connected to learning about my, the indigenous piece tambien, um, but we're talking about, you know, 500 years of where there was displacement, um, so I don't have a specific, like, tribe that my family is connected to in Mexico. Um, so I identify myself just, you know, my blood is Mexican blood. So that's, for me, that's that's how I identify.
0: Um, I know, we know this about you or the people that have, are friends with you, um, that you do dance. Um, can you talk a little bit about that
2: experience? Yeah, you know, and I think... Uh, growing up in South Omaha, we're very connected. Uh, there's like a cultural feel to it, especially growing up and attending the schools that we attended. There was a lot of pride. Um,
0: Absolutely. But
2: I felt like there was, there was always like a, uh something missing. Um, and it wasn't until I, I made my way to San Jose, California. Um, I think I was the age of about maybe 24 and, uh, when I re- was really like connected to the east side of San Jose, working at a community-based agency that was focused on using cultura, la, la cultura cura. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, man, this is what I had been longing for. Um, and I really started to reflect and learn about myself and our, our mm-hmm. cultura. And that's when I, I became a danzante. Uh, I do danza Azteca. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it was so deep. Um, there was like a, you mentioned spirituality. So it was a very spiritual connection, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause oftentimes we have this ignorance because we don't know, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not a performance, uh, you know, it's not a folklorico, it differentiates in that manner because mm-hmm. there's the real spiritual piece to it with the danza. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: So, but yeah, that's how I ended up getting connected to to Danza, was through a job. I was working in the community and uh, Cultura Cura was the, the main kind of like philosophy.
0: That's amazing. How long have you been doing that?
2: Uh, roughly, uh, I'd say about 11 years.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I, um, as you know, I perform in a mariachi and um, uh, they do have the... How do you guys identify yourselves? I don't want to feel dumb saying it the wrong way. Like, um, because they say, you know, like Aztec dancers, but is there a different way that we should be saying that? Uh,
2: there's a lot of different terminologies, um, but uh, danzantes, yeah, danza Azteca, danzantes, uh, you know, those are, those are appropriate okay. terms.
0: Okay, thank, thank you. So, um, when we see the Santas, like it, you could you could feel the, the power of, of the spirit coming through them. And I would think that it's just something that really really completes you like on the inside, like you have a connection to it. I, I hear that's what you're saying like that what do you get out of it and and what do you say for somebody that would might be wanting to get interested in, in, in danza? how would we go about doing that I guess
2: yeah it, it's I think it's really difficult uh, in the Midwest um, but from what I know there's not a traditional group that focuses on the ceremony piece of Danza um,
0: so. Oh, okay. it's,
2: it's very intricate very uh detailed um the closest groups that i know of are in minneapolis uh denver mm-hmm. um chicago where they focus more on the ceremonial piece within the aztec calendar um, oh okay yeah so it's very uh, very detailed uh Within the calendar, there were specific uh, cycles. We wouldn't even call them months, but we'll call them cycles within the sun. And there were certain, uh, you know, celebrations, honoring, uh, that would be done. And so they would dance. And there was, uh, beyond the dancing, like different uh, things that were recommended in your daily life. that you were supposed to do for that time period like uh i'll give you a prime example a lot of people will say the day of the dead is uh in november right the de los muertos um but for us we begin to uh honor and celebrate uh in august um within the aztec calendar there there is a couple different cycles um so in the, you know, in August, there's a cycle where we're honoring the children that have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's another cycle where we honor like the elders, the older people who have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so but this is stuff that, you know, where are you going to learn it from? Right. Um, you know, I had to, to go to San Jose, California. And, and uh, you know, that's where I was able to begin to learn. And so... Um, what I recommend to people is that, uh, you know, you begin to explore. You have to question, uh, you know, um, really ask why and how. And uh, um, but I think that's the first part is to really begin to, to ask and do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, My mind is like just going crazy thinking about like, how do I learn more? And um, for you to be doing it that long, it has to be something very special and very very special to you and you can you can hear that and I can feel it right now so thank you for sharing I appreciate that Um,
2: yeah no no it's a really important piece of my life so definitely
0: we talked about you identifying yourself so Salvador I used to call you Sally I hope that doesn't offend you now Tell me, when did you first realize that you were brown and a white America?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think we, we begin to feel it when we're little. Um, mm. You know, that, I'd say... Uh,
0: Is there a specific instance?
2: Or- when I was in preschool, you know, um, I was attending preschool. And at that time, preschool, I would be bused out to Ashland Park Robbins. I think it was called Robbins elementary or something like that. Uh, I don't even know if that school is still around, Sure. but,
0: uh, their apartments now, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. So I remember as, a uh, for preschool and kindergarten, um, I was placed in, uh, the ESL class and, uh,
0: uh-huh.
2: my mom, my mom speaks English, you know, she's bilingual. Uh, but at the time, it was like you know, and I was bilingual. So really, I don't, I don't, you know. As I look back, it's like why was I in ESL? You know, I could speak English perfectly fine. Um, but uh,
1: yeah.
2: but at that time, you know, I remember being in the ESL class and uh, being separate. Um, you know, and it was us, the the Mexican kids. We would go and have to be separate from the main classroom, which was mostly white kids. Um, And Mm -hmm. I used to cry, like I had a me and this kid, I think his name was Carlos. We would cry during like a reading time because I would remember missing my mom. But um, and and it wasn't beyond just missing your mom. It was about now as a therapist, as I look back, it's like, man, as a kid, I I felt disconnected. I didn't feel safe. Sure. Um, Absolutely. So that was kind of the response. So so, yeah, you know, that's at the age of. You know what is it four years old five years old you can already you know, you tell the difference
0: and that happens so much just based off of your surname most times they don't even know it's just it, it's it happens today it happens to me all my time and all the time in my position where they're like hey sophia does this family speak english or spanish just based off the last name and you're like well um, usually we have them ask answer questions, you know, you can ask them, you know, there's nothing wrong with just asking the family yourselves like, oi, oh, Dios mío I'm sorry that that happened to you oh, it makes me cringe Yeah.
2: <laughs> because
0: yeah. it happened to you, it happened to how many other kids Um, how oh. Has being Mexican American give you given you power and privilege, um, whether in your life and your professional um, experience? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: I don't know if I would necessarily excuse me necessarily use the word uh, like power um, and uh, okay. or privilege. Um, you know, people will say uh, joking around; they'll joke and they'll say, "Salvador, you're a you're a unicorn." Ah. <laughs> um, and they say, it because I'm a male
0: uh-huh.
2: and I'm a Spanish speaking therapist. So being a Spanish speaking male therapist, they call me a unicorn. Um, and I get mad, you, you know, get I, mad?
0: Be- I was going to say that's very appropriate.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I get very, uh, frustrated with that because, when we think of uh, of what a unicorn is, right? It's like a mythical creature that's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's like, man, we're real. Um, being a, a brown man um, that's educated, uh, that cares for community, um, it's a real thing. It's not a, a mythical mythical thing. Uh, And I I think about it too, because it makes me feel sad inside because we think about, well, why, why is that? What is preventing uh, others from achieving this, uh, these master's degrees, these Mm -hmm. positions? Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, yeah, it makes me mad because I'm like, I, I understand the, the, the bigger picture, um bigger picture of uh, where the system is failing you know because mm. if in california they're calling me a unicorn how is it going to be in the state of nebraska um, Oof. <laughs> so, so i mean it, there's a big need um and i and i don't consider it a, a privilege uh i consider it more of a, a duty right um mm-hmm. es algo que, Needs to be done. Um, it's a need and it's uh, responsibility. That's the better word, responsibility. Um, so I work, yeah, I work with uh, mostly Spanish-speaking clients. Uh, some African American, um, mm-hmm. and but that's pretty much it. Uh, I, they all give me the Spanish-speaking families and kids, and you know, and I, I take them on because that's my responsibility.
0: Just as you said, not everybody feels that way. Not everybody thinks that way. Not everybody feels that they have a responsibility to their community. What what, or who influenced that in you?
2: Yeah, you know, I, and I think I'm very blessed to have been able to find uh, San Jose, to to live there uh, in the community, the east side of San Jose, um, which is predominantly raza, raza. Uh, and, you know, I worked for an agency called the Mexican-American Community Service Agency, MACSA. And, uh, mm. and that was where I went to school. Um, that is where I learned, uh, to feel pride for myself, to feel pride, uh, feel pride for my community, um, where I learned to, uh, that working in the community is a responsibility. Um, it's not, uh, it's not just a job, um. It's, uh, you know, one of my mentors would say it's a long distance run. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, you have to be dedicated, um, you know, because there's a lot of things that are fighting for the hearts of the kids and the families, the drugs, the violence, the and that doesn't rest. Um, so we can't rest either. Um Mm-hmm. And and that was it. You know, I was surrounded. To be honest, I was surrounded uh, at the age of twenty four. I was surrounded by men that were in their forties, fifties, sixties. They were clinical social workers. They were Rasa. They had been involved in the movement, um, and uh, you know that opened up my my heart and my eyes to to a, a greater purpose. Um, mm-hmm. That was something that I didn't have in Omaha. Um, mm-hmm something that was missing. Uh, There was a lot of good people in Omaha, but I couldn't get that. uh, You know, I had to get it from San Jose. Mm -hmm.
0: What would be your message of hope to uh, young people that are living right here in the Midwest or in Omaha, Nebraska, as far as Having that purpose, dedication in their life to serve the community.
2: There's been a lot of uh, movement that I've seen in growth within Omaha, um, especially with the Chicano Awareness Center, now formerly now known as the Latino Center of the Midlands. Um, they're doing a lot of great work with the youth that they work with, and uh, implementing uh, some of the the curriculums that um, that were based in in California. Um, so I kind of helped when I was in grad school, kind of helped mm-hmm. kind of introduce them to a curriculum called Joven Noble uh, through the National Compadres Network. And, uh, you know, they just kind of ran with it. Um, and that, I think that's very powerful um, because I just planted a little seed, but man, they took it to a whole nother level. Um, mm-hmm. And they're developing these kids to have pride in self, to have pride in their community. Um, and I think that's what it takes is to, to really, to learn about yourself when we're talking about identity, identity, identifying who am I, ken soy yo, um, and, uh, having those positive, uh, role models and examples, mm-hmm. that's very critical. And I feel like the center is doing that, uh, um, with, the the people that are providing services, um.
0: So he's talking about the um, Latino Center of the Midlands, which is located on, uh, in South Omaha, right on 24th Street. Um, they offer a variety of classes and, and services to youth and adults, um, regardless of, of uh, status or economic situations. They're just, they're really an, it's really an opportunity for uh, Raza to learn and to grow and develop. Um, so I thank you for, you know, providing that seed to them and, and, um, we are as a community, very proud of you, of everything that you've accomplished. And I want to get to your mental health, um, piece here before our time runs out. Uh, what do you want, um, our listeners to know about mental health and, and.
2: Yeah, you um, know, it's a big factor, um a big factor in our in our daily lives uh we've experienced a lot of trauma um, and there's a lot of uh when it comes to gangs and drug use or you know violence uh you know one of the the root cause is unresolved pain so that unresolved pain is trauma, and a lot of times it's historical trauma, and it's trauma <clears throat> that we see in uh, in the systems that are created. So the school systems, the you know the big thing that's happening right now is the the police brutality. Um, so there's a trauma that's been I- implemented into our communities, into you know our homes. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, that's why mental health is such a, a critical piece, is that um, we have to begin to, to heal uh, the healing process. We have to start that, mm-hmm. um, not only individually, but as a community, um, as families. And uh, I, I feel like a lot of people don't really uh, address that or talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not in a good place, I'm not going to be able to help support others. Um,
0: absolutely you know
2: and, and so for my for myself I, and i tell the kids this and you know um i have to to walk the walk and not just talk it uh so i i'm sober um no mm-hmm. drugs no alcohol mm-hmm. um no violence uh, and i have to live that and i I, uh, I i believe that's the the biggest piece um is that you you walk your talk uh, and so You know, and that's just one perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. my perspective and what I've learned and what I've seen um, Mm -hmm. based on my experience. But that's that's where it begins, is that uh, healthy individuals create healthy families, healthy families create healthy communities. Um, And uh, and that's where it begins when we have, uh, you know, sober and clean families, Mm -hmm. no violence. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. But, yeah, you know, that's that's my perspective, uh, and, and mental health is a big piece to that. Mm-hmm.
0: I appreciate you so much. Um, thank you for sharing that humilde y poderoso perspective, like, for real. And um, I just want to tell you that you've won a new car. No, I'm just playing um
1: of
2: <laughs> no you know I, I just thank you for the invitation to uh just share a perspective and share some words and uh you know I think there's a lot of different perspectives and people have their experiences and some people may not agree with everything I say and that's okay you know I don't agree with uh with a lot of things other people say or do and um but we just you know we, we just got to do it for, for our kids, um, for the future. And that's, that's what's important is that what we're leaving, what we're building, uh, you know, we have to build a, a, a safe and positive world for, for the ones who come after us. And so I just thank you for allowing me to share some words and thank you to everyone, whoever listens to this. Um, you know, gracias.
0: Thank you for being vulnerable and open to express your unique perspective um, on the subject. You are are a brave, powerful, strong, brown man. We are forever in your gratitude for being on the show. Dios le bendiga para siempre.
2: Cool. Sounds good, Sophia. Thank you for for doing this, for opening up this avenue. And, uh, you know, I, I... I think this is something that we lack, right? Is these kinds of programs and opportunities. And so that's awesome. I I wish you the best as you continue to build this and grow.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the support. Yes, honey. Brown is beautiful. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. All right, y'all. You know, we want to talk to you. So join us for the after party. Because you always know there's an after party. You can find us on social media, Facebook.com forward slash Humilde y Poderosa. Let me spell that for you. H-U-M-I-L-D-E-Y-P-O-D-E-R-O-S-A. Instagram.com forward slash Humilde y Poderosa. On Twitter, it is Humilde Poderosa without the Y in the middle. Y. Porque son más putos. Just kidding. Love you. We will see you next time. Yo soy su servidora. La mera mera. La Sofía.
1: Chao.